Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This is an easy way to get your quick fix of culinary entertainment every Sunday, and so I hope you'll stay tuned all throughout this hour, as this show is radio's answer to culinary conversation and inspiration. I'm all about the culture of food and living the best life, and so we're celebrating trends and travel, health and the environment, wine, mixology, delicious dishes, and more on this show. And of course, I'm all about feeding your soul. So whether you love to cook or love to eat, you are bound to find something you'll love on this show. And I hope you'll take your cooking skills to the next level by visiting chefjamie.com and by finding me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and becoming a friend and a fan at Chef Jamie Gwen. My goal is to satiate your appetite and we have grand guests coming up to make your dishes come alive with flavor. But first, I thought we'd dish on something truly hot. So you heard me at the beginning of January talk about my forecasted trends for 2016, a year in food, right? Well, all of my culinary dreams, they seem to be coming true, especially in the hot sauce category. Harissa is on fire in the U.S., speaking of hot, and I thought that I would take a few minutes to enlighten you to the history of Harissa and its many virtues. Now, we can thank the trail that has been blazed by sriracha for the growing number of chefs across the country that are eager to introduce a more layered, intriguing element of heat. And there's certainly a lot of room for hot sauces with so many of us clamoring for bold flavors, right? So as we continue our exploration in the hot sauce category, buffalo sauce has given way to chipotle. And chipotle, smoked jalapenos, have paved the way for habaneros. And sriracha has opened the door for harissa. Harissa is bursting with that regal red color, that depth of character, and what I think is really culinary pedigree. Harissa is a Tunisian chili paste that is made with oil and chilies and coriander, cumin, garlic, lemon, and then sometimes caraway seed and even rose water are added. Harissa provides a punch of heat that delivers this really bold, well-rounded flavor. It's a fabulously full-flavored condiment that is perfect for sandwiches, like let's say as a spread, for dips, for marinades, even for hot wings. But the, the food itself isn't actually so hot when you're using harissa, but it has more so a depth of flavor that is really outrageously delicious, like one that you would equate with umami. Now, harissa has been described as sriracha with a savory backbone. And I think that you should explore its versatility if you happen to love hot sauce. So you could rub harissa onto chicken thighs, let's say as a marinade. You could drizzle it over roasted vegetables. You could very simply add it to ketchup to liven it up. And you get this punch of heat with this undercurrent of bright citrus and aromatic spice. Harissa is high in flavor, 
not just spice, and a little goes a long way. And the beauty of harissa is that you don't have to make harissa paste yourself from scratch, sort of like buying a bottle of sriracha. The purchased uh, harissa that you buy in the market is perfectly fine to use. Now, I could tell you that the best way to sort of grasp its depth of flavor is to add it to mayonnaise. And if you use it simply in that form, or even add it to marinara sauce or to your next chili recipe, you'll really see what a culinary upgrade is all about. So here are my best ideas to introduce your palate to harissa. You can try drizzling melted butter and harissa over popcorn, or you can toss roasted nuts in melted butter or olive oil and see what a cocktail compliment those are. Uh, You can easily whip harissa into unsalted softened butter. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, it is outrageously scrumptious on chicken wings. And then it has a very natural fit with Mediterranean fare like lamb and fish, um, eggplant, tomatoes, and olives. I really believe that harissa is undoubtedly part of the larger umbrella trend of flavor forward heat And so I encourage you to check it out, to try it, to buy some, to experiment. It has a lovely mixture of flavor. It really does. It's where fresh garlic and dried chilies and spices come together in a versatile sort of olive oil rich concoction. So do buy some and try some and let me know what you think of the new harissa trend and please email me your best recipe application you can reach me directly my email address is jamie j-a-m-i-e at chefjamie.com all right it's time for food news this week the u.s army has developed a pizza that can last for three years. Yes, you heard me right. News released this past week that in the not-so-distant future, U.S. soldiers will be able to tear into a meal pouch and pull out a ready-to-eat pizza. A food technologist at the U.S. Army's Natick Soldier Research Development and Engineering Center says that the meal is a fully cooked piece of pizza that comes in a package. Their lab actually specializes in creating meals that are ready to eat for the military, and they've been working on perfecting pizza for the past five years. They're using a technology that allows them to stop bacteria from forming, so it creates a kind of barrier that protects the pizza pie from mold. And while the pizza isn't exactly exactly rather the same as a fresh slice, not surprising, it does taste more like Uh, They equate it to the one served during lunchtime in a school cafeteria. Not so bad. The pizza, it is said, has so far been very well received, and that is not surprising either, right? So, God bless our troops, and God bless pizza, of course. (laughs) Posted at ChefJamie.com this week, there are a few things you won't want to miss, like my sweet and spicy caramel chicken. Yes, it's everything you love about the richness of good dark caramel with a little bit of heat. And you know what? Harissa would go a long way here. So check it out. Also, you'll find a green chili cheese toast. You could tell I was in a spicy kind of mood. 
A cocktail you'll love is posted at chefjamie.com. It's my salted caramel espresso martini. How could that be bad? And coming up later this hour in our culinary conversation, you will hear everything about a world of enchiladas. And I am grateful to Chris Waters Dunn, the author who waxes poetic on enchiladas, who shared his enchiladas suizas recipe. So do check it out. Also coming up, just a bit, in fact. She is the party producer to the stars. Cheryl Chiquetto is coming up. She hosts and produces the Oscars Governor's Ball every year, 27 years running. And coming up next Sunday, she's sharing her passion to create, and we are inspiring your Oscar party menu, so you won't want to touch your dial. There is so much delicious conversation coming up. We have the best recipe ideas, party advice, cooking techniques, cocktails galore, and there's an enchilada party before the end of the hour, so stay tuned. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'll be right back. your soul every Sunday. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. You're about to get the best advice and brilliant ideas from a true pro for your upcoming Academy Awards party. The Oscars are just a week away. Are you ready? Well, you'll be hard pressed to find a more qualified talent than Cheryl Chiquetto when it comes to planning your next shindig. Cheryl has produced, designed, and directed the Academy Awards Governor's Ball for the past 26 years. She is a dynamo, and she knows the formula to create glamorous events, and the best part is that she's here, and she's sharing her knowledge with us. Her company, Sequoia Productions, has worked with the best of the best. John Travolta, Bill Gates, Nicole Kidman, Hugh Jackman, Kate Blanchett, Glee, Friends, I could go on and on, but just to name a few. And Cheryl's story from very humble beginnings as an aspiring actress to a party-planning mega company owner is really inspiring. Her new book, which is entitled Passion to Create, tells her story, and she is here to dish. And I am so glad to talk with you again. Hi, Cheryl. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm Thank good you for you. having me. Oh, it's please. I love radio. You are no doubt uh, the queen of party planning at the, I mean, you're the top of the game. You're what everyone uh, aspires to. And I would love it if you would talk about your journey and share the highlights. Well, first of all, the, the subtitle is your invitation to celebrate. Yes. And I think it's a really important message that we do not stop celebrating because we're so tied into technology and the whole world is looking down at their iPhones and their, their tablets. And that was one of the huge messages. The other message I wanted to really communicate with the book, by the way, it was definitely a labor, labor of love. Oh, it nearly for killed sure. me. I said having two kids is a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> so, uh, no, really. The other message I wanted to say was anything is possible. I mean, I, I always comment that I'm from 300 miles north of Toronto. My freeway is a bridge. So the journey was one of the, was one of the objectives of the book, and the publisher asked me to really relate. The second message was ideas and inspirations and where does it come from. The third is fantastic stories behind the Hollywood scene. And last but not least, and I think it's the full circle of life, is giving back. 
because yes. I'm in a business where I am surrounded by so many phenomenal celebrities. I call them the ambassadors of life. I feel, I feel that the press sometimes worldwide gives Los Angeles and the award shows a bad rap. And it's really, they are truly the philanthropists behind so many incredible good causes. So mm. all that's communicated. Plus, plus, Chef, I threw in some unbelievable recipes. Yes, I know. Wolfgang, Joaquin, <laughs> and my mother. I, yes, and, and a very good combination. I had not seen Wolfgang's uh, truffled chicken pot pie in print before. So um, can you give us a, a, a sneak peek into this year's event and, and menu and highlights and celebration of components? Of course. Okay, well, thank you, know, you. Four or five years ago, we completely divorced ourselves from the traditional sit down because nobody wants to sit in one spot where you're at such a high profile event. 1,500 of the creme de la creme, you know, there's 3,500 that go to the show and 1,500 that actually go to the official Academy after party celebrating the movie industry and hosted by the governors of the Academy. And, of course, my chair, the one and only Jeffrey Curland. So we have small bites. Even from the moment you walk in, there's a pre-cocktail reception that all get to enjoy. and, And that is serving, of course, Wolfgang's signature items. And, and there's also fantastic snacks at the bar, mm-hmm. if indeed you need to sneak out to the bar. But during the ball itself, it's the, you can't get away from the, the incredible demand of his mini burgers and his smoked salmon Oscar matzo oh, and his course. incredible pizzas. And you're right, the small plates are where it's at. And then don't forget. We have a chocolate buffet like no other. <laughs> and I always say wherever you want people to go, you put chocolate. That's that's very true. The small plates and the grazing and the sort of open buffet is a really wonderful idea for home party planning because you get to sort of graze all the way through the meal. The and I love that and you, you share the No, you don't. I agree. And I love that you shared the recipes too because what could be better than those of us having an Oscar party at home and serving the same dishes that the governor's ball has uh, put out on display? You know, I tell everyone, you've got to throw your own Oscar telecast party. (laughs) You've got to grab the menus from the Academy website. You've got to grab the beverages. You've got to play the nominated uh, films. And don't give anything away. Everything is sort of a, a, a uh, a series of steps at all of our events. I was going to say, please, what is the entertainment lineup? What is the theme we can plan according to? This is the best. This is the best. What we've come up with, it's unbelievable. I bet. The entire South Wall and the entire North Wall are original caricature drawings. They are there. They have been, and I'm looking at a book of How them fabulous. right now, and they're mounted. They're going up on the walls right now. And they are everything from past acknowledgments in the film industry and present. Present, And they're original drawings. They're being drawn by nine phenomenal costume illustrators. You don't even hear about these talents. Those that are behind the scenes, I love it. And they're Hirschfeld-inspired. And everyone's going to walk in and they're going to see a history, not only of film stars, but directors, costume designers, casting directors, etc. Cool. Now, the whole look, and it's really taking it to a level of, of relaxation. Wow. And I, I can't even tell you hmm. how we are so excited, because it's not only a beautiful look. I mean, I, I can say this, and I, I hate to name anything like an inspiration, but if you remember when you saw Hotel Budapest and everything was in that blush pink? Yes. And everything was really, had a, had a turnkey.
consumer, that is really going to be the energy at this year's ball. I love that you change it up every year, Cheryl. I love that there is such a unique perspective, such a progressive approach, such a a new view every year. And I think it is the most tremendous credit to you your uh, of all your extraordinary attributes the fact that you can make it fresh and new and different going on what is your 27th year i mean the book is a roadmap of your great success and, and a beautiful one um, but what can you tell us on a, on a small scale and a large scale and if i could just throw in a couple more things for your home party just really quickly yes go please. out and get that bottle of sterling wine go out and yes. get that bottle of piper high tech go out and get that bottle of Kettle One. There are recipes, too. You'll drink the exact same drinks as all the stars. I love that. Now, my advice. My advice, first of all, and I'm not, I mean, if you get the book or don't get the book, there's 25 questions in that book that talks about running any business, but definitely running a business that is is completely of hospitality. Mm. First of all, you have to want to be able to host. I don't care if it's 10 people in your home or it's 15 people at an event. You have to be that kind of personality because I think one of the reasons of our success, and and I'm knocking wood because you're as good as your last gig, is that I truly (laughs) believe it's my Canadian background. You have to give 125% service. Now, if you want to start off in this business, there are courses to take. There are lectures to attend. The best thing to do is to get in on ground zero as an intern, a volunteer, anywhere you can. You need experience firsthand. When somebody walks in this office, I don't even expect anything from them for, me for a year. I want them to pick up the energy. I want them to pick up the service. I want them to understand that it's all about production and detail. So it's literally living through it. And mm. it, that's really a personality trait. That mm. You cannot imagine the amount of detail that goes into this. And then also, you really cannot one of my big tips are that you have to think ahead of your client you have to you really extend yourself beyond their expectations and more mm-hmm. because that way you're going to secure an umbilical cord for that person in any business moving forward but mm-hmm. for an event again it's a step of stairs right when they think it's over and they've seen it all another turnkey another surprise and I will tell you, uh, you, your passion is unparalleled. Uh, it's amazing to me what every, what you do every year to top the previous. And it's about the, yeah. the philosophy on work that you share, the ethics, the service, the generosity, the family, the balance. Uh, I, I really... I very much admire you and your talent and your passion. And I'm grateful that you shared all the insight and a sneak preview because we're going to have amazing Oscar parties at home. Also, the Academy and leadership to trust me as leadership has changed over the years to trust in me over the years is is really quite commendable because I'm sure there's somebody else around the corner, you know, that would love the position. But as I said before, you're as good as your last cake. The book for the party planner in your life with recipes, amazing photos, and just the most tremendous inspiration is entitled Passion to Create Your Invitation to Celebrate. And it is Cheryl Chiquetto's story, her rise to fame, 
and uh, the beauty of the ultimate party of the year. The Oscars are next Sunday, and you can certainly uh, attempt to rise to the occasion of a governor's ball party by using Cheryl's tips and tricks and techniques and insight into the biggest party of the year. Cheryl, I know it's going to be fabulous. We can't wait to hear about it um, afterward. And I expect and hope that you will come back next year and give us another sneak preview to your um, even more extraordinary ideas as the years go on. Uh, You are the ultimate uh, party planner. There's no doubt. And I, I really commend you on all the success. Well, thank you. Coming from you, I surely appreciate it. Well, thank, thank you. you. It's very, very much appreciated. And thank you for the time uh, a week mm-hmm. prior to the, to, the, yeah. <laughs> to the biggest party of the year. She is yeah. Cheryl Chiquetto. Yes, of course you're going to be. Um, her last name, by the way, C-E-C-C-H-E-T-T-O, so that you can order the book and um, bring the inspiration into your home. Cheryl, always a pleasure. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much. As the delicious conversation continues, we have the biggest names and the best thinkers on this show, and it is all about feeding your soul. Stay tuned. There's more delicious conversation right after this. We're dedicated to great taste every Sunday in your radio. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen here. The history of Mexican food is a long and diverse one. It is believed, in fact, that authentic Mexican cuisine might have been derived from the Mayan Indians. And the enchilada is more than an everyday Mexican food. It's the history of a people rolled, folded, and flat that embodies thousands of years of Mexican life. And there's a new cookbook release entitled Enchiladas Aztec to Tex-Mex that chronicles Mexico's national dish and its history. The book takes a deep exploration into everyone's favorite cheesy, meaty favorite. And this particular book is beautiful, illustrated with sumptuous photography showcasing more than 60 traditional and contemporary recipes for enchiladas. Chris Waters Dunn and his co-author Cappy Lawton have captured the beauty of enchiladas in this new book, and I am delighted that Chris is here to dish. I welcome you, Chris. Hi there. Hi there. Thank <laughs> you so much for having me on. Yes, of course. Um, the book really is beautiful. It's sort of part coffee table book, in my opinion, because it has that really illustrious, um, colorful, beautiful, satiating aspect to it. And then the oh, recipes, yes, of course, the recipes are authentic. The recipes are um, really beautifully outlined and easy to understand. And I wonder, would you share with us your research that went into this really great history and culmination of enchilada recipes? Well, we spent about three years, when researching the book. Hmm. And uh, at every step of the way, we kept finding more areas to explore. Hmm. You know, we, we said, well, shouldn't we do something on, on cheeses? You know, because there's so much uh, cheese in enchiladas. So suddenly we had an entire chapter devoted to all the different 
uh, Mexican cheeses that, that are used throughout Mexican cuisine, but especially in enchiladas. And then, of course, as you would imagine, uh, we, we were exploring chilies. We said, well, shouldn't we do a whole chapter on chilies? Yes. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so we tried to almost uh, make it a reference book at the same time, giving a lot of history, as you know, and then a lot of the authentic, historic and contemporary recipes. And there really is a, a wonderful nod to the authenticity of this particular national dish and to the cuisine itself. I loved the cheese section, by the way, and the oh, uh, really comprehensive piece about chilies. There are a lot of aspects to making a great enchilada, and I wondered if you'd take us through your best tips for the basic technique and, and start, if you would, um, we all know a great corn tortilla from scratch cannot be beat, but I appreciate right. you say we can substitute the store-bought. Um, but take us through tortillas all the way through to the fillings. Well, you know, that's, that's absolutely true. The, the tortilla is the heart and soul yes. uh, of an enchilada. In fact, I like to say that corn made the tortilla possible and the tortilla made the enchilada <laughs> inevitable. Yeah. Uh, and part of it's our true. definition of an enchilada is it has to be a corn tortilla to be authentic. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a flour tortilla. We eat them every day here in San Antonio uh, for breakfast tacos and so forth, and they're wonderful with burritos from your part of the world, yes. uh, which is where burritos were invented, uh, out toward the southwest, you know. But uh, to be a true enchilada, it has to be a corn tortilla, and it has to have a sauce. I like to say the difference between an enchilada and a taco is you can hold a taco in your hands, but you probably want to use a knife and fork for an enchilada. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there are a lot of different styles of enchilada. Um, many of them are rolled. I happen to love the stacked style, albeit probably a bit more modern and nouveau. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love a stacked enchilada where you can cut a wedge like a pie. Um, and Absolutely. I, I, you know, I, I got into some discussions with with various, uh, you know, Mexican food experts, chefs that have grown up there and been there uh, their entire lives. And we started, we started philosophizing mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, where did the stacked enchilada come from? And I wonder if it wasn't really just a convenience for, uh, uh, you know, for, for chefs yes. uh, in contemporary times. Just stack them up, don't even bother rolling or folding them. There's something about that smoky blackened, beautiful skin of the tomato. When you talk about roasting tomatoes in the book and making that uh, traditional flavor profile of sauce. So talk to us about tomatoes and tomatillos. We'll cover all the components of a great enchilada. That's great. Well, I'm I'm loving this because you're (laughs) you're talking about my favorite aspects of Mexican cuisine in general and enchiladas in particular. You know, the, the Mexican chef traditionally will blackened tomatoes and blackened onions and, and uh, you know, toast the dried chilies before rehydrating them. And often will, as you know, blacken a fresh chili like a poblano or even a serrano or jalapeno. And it just brings out the, the sweetness of, mm. the, of the vegetable or fruit. Really it does. also uh, concentrates the flavors caramelizes them to a degree, and just adds a depth of flavor that's amazing. In fact, I've gotten to where I will roast my uh, garlic for almost every use, for making hummus, 
for for putting it into a rice dish or, or any number of other uses. I've just sort of adapted that that uh, approach to cuisine in Mexico. I've, I've adapted it to all the cuisines that I like to use. Italian, French, sure. uh, New American, whatever. We'll take a quick break when we come back. More on a world of enchiladas right after this. We're back and we're dishing with Chris Waters Dunn, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Chris, the author of a new book on the glorious world of enchiladas as we're dishing on the many varieties and fabulous flavors. Do you roast your garlic whole in the bulb in the oven like for roasted garlic or do you do individual uh garlic cloves in their skin. Tell us what you do. Yeah, I can tell you're a very good chef because <laughs> you're, you're, you're asking very, very important oh, questions. Thank you. I actually do both. Okay. Uh, if I just want a beautiful, buttery, soft result, I'll wrap an entire head of garlic in foil Me too. and roast it in the oven. Yes. And I usually like to just make it uh, even more flavorful and easier to work with later. I'll cut the top about a third of the way down. Right. Uh, you know, uh, across the the uh, entire head of garlic, and put a little drizzle of olive oil and a sprig of thyme, mm, nice. and, then, and then wrap it with foil, and then roast it very, very uh, gently. Uh, and and uh, uh, after about thirty, forty five minutes, as you know, it just caramelizes and just mm. almost becomes like butter. Yeah. If I'm wanting to do individual. Uh, you know, cloves of garlic, I leave the papery skin on them, of course, and then just put them on a dry iron skillet, or as they say in Mexico, a comal, mm-hmm. and let it just gently dry dry roast till it begins to get little blackened spots nice. and, and, and develops the flavor in that way. Yeah, it's like, I call it garlic candy. It, it really is. Yeah, it's <laughs> delicious. It is. I thought it was interesting in the book. And by the way, if you've just tuned in, you're late because Chris Waters Dunn is here and his new cookbook release entitled Enchiladas Aztec to Mexico to Tex-Mex, rather, is a really beautiful, speaking of depth, in-depth look into the beauty that is enchiladas. I thought it was really interesting. You wrote a, a really good piece in the book about salt playing a very vital role in Mexican cuisine. It, it really is true. And of course, salt is a key ingredient in every cuisine in right. the world. It's the only mineral that humans actually naturally crave. We have to have salt for our bodies to, to work, for the electrolytes and the nerve endings to trigger and do all the things they need to do. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should all just eat unlimited amounts of salt. The, the government guidelines for health, of course, want to keep all of us, uh, you know, under around 2,500 milligrams of salt a day. But the key is to use it correctly. And uh, I like to use pure salt that does not have anti-taking agents or chemicals added to it. You're really getting the clean, 
pure flavor of salt. I, I would love to. I would love to keep you longer. Will you stay with me? I need to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we will dig deeper into the beauty that is enchiladas, the new cookbook release from Kathy Lawton, restaurateur in San Antonio, and Chris Waters Dunn, who has an incredible story. We'll touch on that as well. From uh, number one country hit songwriter to professional chef and now enchilada expert. Stay tuned. There's more delicious conversation to tease your palate right after this. We're back, Chef Jamie Gwen, in your radio, expanding and pleasing your palate. Chris Waters Dunn is here, the author of the new cookbook entitled Enchiladas, Aztec to Tex-Mex, packed with information about the key ingredients of Mexican cuisine, and we are dishing. Okay, where did we left, uh, leave off, Chris? I think well, you, you were... You were you were hitting on one of my favorite subjects. You said that the best remedy for too much chili is tequila. Right. And I was trying to be so proper and say, you know, a little bit of salt and so forth, but you were going live for the heart of it. I love that. I, I was. <laughs> I, I, this is probably a very good time to give a little bit of background. Um, I think it's really interesting to see your career change um, with regard to the fact that you are a San Antonio native, you have a degree in creative writing, and you worked for decades in Nashville, um, in fact, wrote dozens of hits, including nine number one country songs. And then um, you pursued your second passion and graduated from the Culinary Institute of America, my alma mater as well, their San Antonio campus. And you, you took a turn into the foray of food. Yes, I, I know. It's, I've, I've had, well, let's just put it this way. I've had an interesting life. Yes, you know? a, a good one. <laughs> it's but been a lot of fun. I, I'm yeah. sure. Tequila, though, um, plays an important role in, in your country music career. Well, you know, that's correct. I did write uh, the first single for a group called Lone Stars, a big, big yes, country act, plat- multi-platinum uh, a recording group. And they were kind enough to, for their very first single to record a song of mine called Tequila Talking. And uh, uh, so uh, that was a top five record for them. I was very thrilled to do it. And as I, as I say, uh, I know nothing really about tequila. No. I just studied it and read about uh, it. Of right? course. You didn't and do I, any hands-on I, I, research or no anything. Research. No, 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 no. But I suspicion there is something, some deadly chemical that they add to, to tequila that is not in anything else. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what they put in it, but it's a, it's a definitely something that you can write a lot of songs about. Yeah, yes, sure. no no doubt. And you could eat a lot of enchiladas with. Uh, okay, Absolutely. B- back to the enchilada. In the book, we've talked about making corn tortillas and the beauty of a corn tortilla being uh, essential to a great enchilada. Fire roasting mm-hmm. the chilies, dry roasting the tomatoes. Do you make your own homemade queso fresco and crema mexicana? Because I happen to think those are two products that are 
really very good in the store-bought version. You know, they really are. We included uh, recipes for your homemade chorizo, homemade homemade queso fresco cheese, yes. uh, you know, homemade uh, crema, as you know, crema mexicana, which generally is like sour cream. Right, it's like... just a slightly higher... Butterfat content. Right. It doesn't curdle when you when you heat it. It's like French creme fraiche, essentially. Right. And very much so. That's a perfect substitute. You're absolutely right. And the reason we did that was we wanted to to be as respectful to the classic uh, you know, culinary scene of Mexico as possible. And if people wanted to go that deeply into it, they could. But certainly you can buy those at the store. I've even found Salvadoran. Uh, a crema from El Salvador that's just fabulous. Congratulations to you on your first cookbook release and to Cappy as well. Um, it really is, and I have to agree with um, Robert Del Grande in his uh, praise that he sings for your book. Um, it is a, a, a beautiful cookbook that captures the love of enchiladas. There's no doubt. It is a, an expertly crafted collection of delicious recipes that highlight the essentials of Mexican cooking. You will experience the history of Mexico through its most delicious ambassador, the enchilada, of course. You'll find an excerpted recipe posted at chefjamie.com from the new release from Chris Waters Dunn and Cappy Lawton entitled Enchiladas, Aztec to Tex-Mex. And Chris, I hope that you'll come back and share more of your culinary passion soon. Absolutely. I hope we Thank get to you. make enchiladas together. Uh, I think it'd be a lot of fun. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. I do hope that I filled your plate and that you unleashed your inner chef during this hour of gastronomic inspiration. This is food conversation that fits your life. And I have recipes for busy people and lots of delicious inspiration posted at chefjamie.com where I'm always serving up seconds. So please be sure to check it out. I'll leave you with my last bite to continue sharing the merits of a slow cooker, as I've talked about the last couple of weeks, it is winter in many parts of the country, and it's wonderful to have your slow cooker going all day for ready-to-eat comfort food when you arrive home, right? I thought that I would share another amazing winter discovery. Did you know that you can make fruit butter in your slow cooker? It's really simple, actually, to make apple or pear butter in whatever slow cooker brand, let's say, you have. All you need to do is peel about 10 pieces of fruit, so say about three and a half pounds, uh, preferably apples or pears. They work the best, and I had lots of wonderful winter apples. So I peeled them, cut them into chunks, and popped them in the slow cooker, You need no water here or any other liquid, actually, just the juice of a lemon to keep the fruit from turning brown and to add uh, a little bit of that acidity for bright flavor. Um, You can add sugar, which I do. I add about a quarter cup of brown sugar to three and a half pounds of fruit. It's not a lot of sugar because you're actually going to get beautiful caramelization from the slow cooking process. And then I like a pinch of salt. And then you can add spices or aromatics like ground ginger or cinnamon if you like. Then you turn on your slow cooker on low and you cook either all day or overnight, about eight hours. And ta-da, you have the most delicious homemade apple butter 
forever. It is so good. So you can spread it on your breakfast bread or you can serve it alongside pork chops or you can put it up and can it for the months to come. Oh, how I love my slow cooker. I will post the ingredients and the method once again for slow cooker apple butter on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I hope that you will join me next Sunday. Sit down at the table for more culinary entertainment. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I thank you for listening. I'll see you next Sunday. And I hope you continue to eat well. Well.